0: Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings three for ten. Save hundred dollars on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just one ninety nine. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals available online and in store now through November first. Guitarthon only at Guitar Center. Find your sound.
1: You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. Here, as always, is David Ramil. We are opening up the mailbag for part one of our two-parter this week. Uh, Let's jump right into it with our first question from Chris Leach. Now that the Heat have signed Kelly Olynyk to add to a now full front court, it would seem that Jared Sullinger wouldn't make sense for the MLE. What do you think would fit this roster for that same amount? The MLE, of course, being the exception that the Heat have worth $4.3 million. Uh, they could still add a player with that. They haven't used it yet. They are otherwise capped out on cap room. Um, so David, I guess we're not getting Sullinger, even though we predicted that?
0: Yeah, you know, not just us, but Anthony Chang also said that mm-hmm. it was almost a, a virtual guarantee that Selinger would be on the roster. I, it's just so surprise. When we talked about the the Selinger addition, obviously, during the offseason and when he worked out at the end of last season, it seemed like Miami was more likely to add somebody who was a wing-type player, maybe kind of a stretch four, but not necessarily a, a full four or five in the sense that Bam Adebayo is, I think if you look at a guy like Zach Collins or somebody along those lines that Miami had been linked to so frequently, it seemed like he was going to be more of a a four, you know, maybe occasionally playing the five, but not really. So maybe it was, you know, that that kind of versatility that made Bam Adebayo so much more attracted to Miami. He's a guy who can play the four or the five, but then to go ahead and sign Linux as well. Clearly, Sullinger is no longer in the works, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's still a free agent. Uh, you know, he was injured for all of last year, or most of last year. He you know spent time between the the Raptors' 905, their G League team, and and going up to the big league club, and then eventually he was waived, and that's why he worked out for Miami in the se- at the end of the season. But he, I just uh, Miami could still
1: sign him to a veteran minimum contract, couldn't they? They could, and that they have another roster spot, and that spot has sort of been. We're expecting that they re-sign Udonis Haslam, right? Right. Um, and as long as that happens, I don't really see the room for another front court player. But there That's is enough. another spot for that could that that I've at least earmarked for Luke Babbitt, thinking that the Heat would just re-sign him at the veteran minimum, because it's always good to have more three-point shooters on the roster. He's obviously yeah. not going to play as big as a role as he played last year. But he'll be better. He'll be better next year for it, I would think. Um, I think if the Heat, a couple things came into play. I, I think Solinger was in Miami's plans, some, at least somewhat. You're not going to plan an off around somebody like Jared Solinger, of course. But <laughs> no, you're not. Um, as much as we love him, but uh, if let, if the Heat would have gotten, well, let's even go back to the draft. We if let's say Donovan Mitchell falls to Miami, right? Then then you're Correct. drafting a wing instead of a front court player, or you sign Gordon Hayward. So you're not able to retain James Johnson, or maybe you are, but you're not necessarily getting Kelly Olynyk at that point because you have you have a Absolutely. wing instead of a frontcourt player at that point. Sollinger right. might have come into play, but to go back to Chris's question here, we because I don't want we don't need to dedicate the whole podcast to Jared Sollinger because we've probably dedicated more time to Jared Sollinger than any other Lockdown Network podcast. Uh, oh, I'm sure of it, <laughs> and it's well worth it. Um, but uh, <laughs> who do we think would fit this roster? at the same amount. Are you thinking that the Heat use their MLE now? Because they could. I just don't... I I feel like they're going to hold on to this. Well, that's what
0: we understand. I think Barry Jackson had a nice transcript. Other reporters have covered it as well. But obviously, Pat Riley addressed the media today following the flurry of free agent moves. And one of the questions that did come up was, what's going to happen to this room exception for $4.3 million? And his statement basically was... I think we're going to hold on to it. It was very loose, kind of like, you know what? There's no need for us to spend it. We've still got a couple spots. We'd love to, to come back to the team. There's no need to rush out and sign somebody right away. So you and I had talked. I'm not sure if we did it via the podcast or via text at some point, but you know, I think a guy like Ian Clark might have been a nice fit, a guy who has some experience with the Miami Heat. Um, who plays the point guard position if you're looking to augment that position a little bit, can spread the floor, obviously can drive to the hoop, has championship experience having played for the Golden State Warriors. So a guy like that was a good fit. But if Riley doesn't feel the need, I guess he'd rather keep it for later on in the season. Now, one of the things I think that's been discussed was whether or not having that, that exception later in the season might be available and used on a certain player named Dwayne Wade should become
1: bought out by the Chicago Bulls. What do you think of that possibility? That's exactly where I think that's exactly what I'm thinking here, is that Dwayne Wade, the Chicago Bulls. Chicago's obviously moving on to a new era of whatever it is that they're doing. They've traded Jimmy Butler to Minnesota <laughs> for basically nothing, whatever. Um, They are now built around Larry Markinen and the hypothetical idea that maybe one day he'll be something near or 50% close to Dirk Nowitzki. I don't know. But uh, Dwayne Wade, for now... He he's decided, look, I've got 24 million reasons to opt into my contract. I'm not opting out. There were reports that Chicago was a little side benefit of trading Jimmy Butler was that they thought that maybe Wade wouldn't want to go through a rebuild and that he would just opt out. He was like, well, I don't want to go through a rebuild, but if you pay me $24 million, I'll deal with it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And that seems to be the case, but maybe at this point they buy him out. Look, they sold the 32nd pick in the draft to the Warriors for something like $3 million or something. That they, that right. a lot of people are thinking, like, why in the, if you're rebuilding, why would you trade the 32nd pick in the draft? That's two picks away from being a first round pick. It's one of the most valuable picks in the draft there is because you're not paying that player first round money, you're paying him second round money, but he's basically just two picks removed from being in the first round. Why would you sell that as a rebuilding team? And a lot of people started to, you know, believe that maybe that they're just putting that money into the Dwayne Wade buyout fund, so to speak. Uh, well, if that happens, I do think that the Heat would be interested. Uh, I think Wade would certainly be interested. At that point, you're not. If you're Dwayne Wade, you're not worried about the money. You're getting bought out, so you're getting paid a portion of whatever you were supposed to make in Chicago anyway. You pl- and then throw another four million dollars on top of that. To go back home to his, to South Beach, why not? Uh, I think it would be a, a terrific idea. I don't I, just I, regardless of the roster constructions. Like I don't care if he starts or if he if he comes off the bench or whatever. I just it would be cool to have Wade back in Miami, right? Yeah, I
0: could see that, and and you
1: know. Let's say that they're going to hang
0: on to it. We have no idea who's going to get bought out at the end of next season. There might be other players. Look, they might keep way the whole year. They might not. Uh, but it's good to have that in your back pocket and have that and give that extra little bit of flexibility because obviously the team's tight at the salary cap, so they don't have any really money, real money spent.
1: One other name I'd watch, Jared Dudley, Phoenix Suns. They have decided to go younger. They've still got Dudley mm-hmm. on the books. He's on an expiring contract worth about $10 million. If they decide that they want to just give more playing time to their young guys, this is the sort of time that veterans get bought out um, on teams that are just going to be bad. Phoenix is just, they're going to be bad. Um, I think they signed they signed Dudley a couple years ago with the intention of maybe making a playoff push, sort of, while developing their young guys. They've clearly just, they, they've decided against that strategy. They're tanking. Um, I could see them maybe buying out Dudley uh, to fill out, to to bring maybe some of their D-League guys up or something like that to continue developing their young guys and he would be, be a point. nice addition on the wing but that's just me, just complete skepticism on my part um, uh, quick reminder to make sure that you've subscribed to David Locke's Locked On NBA podcast for all of your national NBA news throughout the offseason, David Locke does a great job I'm not just saying that because he's our boss uh, great interviews with scouts and uh, NBA coaches and front office people um, a must listen if you're an NBA fan All right. Our next question comes from Twitter, from at Mellow Underscore Hater. It's <laughs> a great Twitter. <laughs> no handle.
0: subtlety. No subtlety in that, uh, that, that Twitter
1: handle. A lack of subtlety, but a lot of dedication. Um, am I crazy to think Dion Waiters and or Hassan Whiteside will make the All Star team? Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Carmelo, uh, Paul Millsap have all gone to the Western Conference. I don't think Carmelo Anthony has, but not yet. Might. Not yet. It yeah, like He it's, might go to Houston. That's kind of the idea here, right? But uh, Apparently, it's it's almost – well, let's say it's 75%. But,
0: uh, you know, obviously with the Knicks, who knows what will happen. So right. the, the bargaining posture is fully in Carmelo's favor at this point. He has the full control. He can approve whatever uh, trade he wants. And obviously New York is under no obligation to make it, although I think they'd rather – just dissolve the, the relationship as yeah. soon as possible.
1: It so seems to be that like Carmelo Anthony, oh, we don't have to spend any more time on it, but Carmelo Anthony is really the guy that needs to wave the clause here. And as soon as he does, right. the Knicks are sending him for something. Right. But so let's assume that White he'll side. be in the Western Conference.
0: Yeah, you know, let's no. assume he'll be in the Western Conference. Paul George, obviously, going to Oklahoma City. Jimmy yeah. Butler in Minnesota. And Paul Millsap having signed a free agent contract to join the Denver Nuggets. So those are four all-stars from just last year alone. Mm-hmm. Carmelo, obviously, was a, a last-minute fill-in there. Hassan was one of those players that was on the bubble. Does he have a legitimate chance of making it? I was trying to put together a list. It's not a pretty picture. I know a lot of people want to use this as ammunition to, to continue the argument that the Eastern Conference is garbage and uh, the lesser of the two conferences. I'm not sure that that's... I don't think it needs to go to that extreme, although obviously they've taken a, a, a huge hit as far as overall star power is concerned. Mm-hmm. But part of the process then is that younger players will take up the mantle and be able to achieve that superstar level status here. You know, you've got some young talent here that might be the, the next in line, so to speak. So it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I've got a couple names here. I don't know if you want to debate whether or not they may or may not be on the All-Star team.
1: Well, sure. But the the All-Star team is broken out basically between guards and forwards, right? Sure. So only like backcourt court right yeah. anthony is considered a forward Millsap obviously is a forward um so i guess Whiteside could fill into one of those spots butler and paul george they can go either way people can kind of maneuver however they want and paul george i was think a they forward were voted in year. as forwards, yeah. yeah uh butler was, all, all four of them are forward yeah. so i think the only one
0: who's going to swing in that favor is probably gordon hayward who obviously joined us from the joined the eastern conference from utah so he's more likely, I think, to play the small forward position in Boston, so he'll probably be—well, that's not probably, but let's say if he plays at the level we expect him to, he's likely to fill an All-Star spot. Um, you know, aside from that, obviously, I think LeBron James has a pretty good case for making the All-Star team. Yes, I think so. I think uh, Giannis Giannis
1: Antetokounmpo—he he probably will make it as well, considering he was a an All-Star last year as well. So we're looking so far, at yeah. I mean Carmelo, so Carmelo, Anthony Paul George. Those are really and, and Millsap are like the two spots here. Right? And Jimmy Butler, I guess. So you've got four spots. I so Giannis, LeBron, DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie Irving. Those are your those are the the four starters from last year.
0: The incumbent, yeah.
1: Yeah. I Look, I'm trying to think of the guys that like Kemba Walker, John Wall, Isaiah yes, Thomas, they were all reserves. They've got... they've If you can move DeMar DeRozan into Butler's spot, and then you move one of those guards up into the starting unit, if we're just going to talk about um, this kind of guys that were on the t- team last year. I could see... They didn't have a true center last year. I'd give Whiteside the edge out of the two. I think Wait- Waiters isn't quite there to make the All-Star team, because he's not going to get voted in by the coaches unless he's averaging 25 points a game, right? And he's not going to get voted in by the fans. That's just, I, it's going to take a couple of years to get over the bad reputation he has, I think. Uh, unless Water. he just, I, I think Whiteside, not that he has got a great reputation around the league, people still kind of look at him as a bonehead, but if, he's, if he puts up stats, if he improves on his stats last year, I, I find it hard to believe he wouldn't make the All-Star team next year.
0: I think, yeah. I think we talked about this in terms of last season as well. He he seems the most likely candidate. I mean, we had considered Goran Dragic as a possibility. I think obviously mm-hmm. he played a stronger individual game than, than Hassan did. Um, but Hassan probably, by virtue of being a front court player, by putting up blocks, by, quite frankly, by marketing the hell out of himself and, and putting himself out there, I think that's gonna put himself more in the public eye and i think it's uh, he's likely to garner a few more votes than either dion or goron so the
1: other problem with dion and goron is that they're gonna take votes away from each other almost you look at the guards that made the all-star team kemba walker john wall isaiah thomas i mean these are guys who led their offenses point blank there was no second fiddle so to speak dion waiters and and Goran Dragic, you can argue Miami doesn't really have a true point guard, because either one of them will be driving and kicking within that offense at any given point, not to mention Tyler Johnson coming off the bench, doing a fair amount of that, and James Johnson from the point forward spot. Like, There's a lot of guys initiating Miami's offense, which is great for Miami's offense, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but as far as trying to get Dion or Dragic or one of these uh, uh, guards into the All-Star game, not so great for that, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I was trying to think about who would who's going to fill in the front court spots at all. And It's like if you've got Kevin Love, obviously. Right. Um Otto Porter, does he take a huge leap in Washington this year with that contract? Probably not, right? I mean, he's I still mean, got to share the ball with Bradley Beal and John Wall. I mean, it's
1: possible. But yeah. Yeah, oh <laughs> I my mean, gosh.
0: Dwight Howard in Charlotte? Maybe under Steve <laughs> Clifford is able to maximize his potential again from I mean, where is his Batoon? old oh, match days? Nick Nick Petum, yeah, but he uh, plays mostly a two-guard, right? I mean,
1: him and and Michael Kigil of course. Does Ben Simmons make the All-Star team? Probably not in his second year. Oh, Embiid. Joel Embiid, if he's healthy. If he's healthy.
0: Joel Embiid. Yeah, Joel Embiid. If Joel Embiid's healthy, he's got the support. Many Mm -hmm. people wanted him to be in there last year over Paul Millsap. Paul Horford. Horford has the uh, Boston Celtic contingent, so that's actually a, a pretty strong case for him there. So, I mean but Chris I think, Middleton? I mean, I don't yeah. know. I, I I doubt it. Jabari Parker. No, oh, he'll be heard from oh, the other so.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, uh yeah, I mean there's look, there's spaces open, but it's an all-star team, regardless. And it's gonna it's gonna take a lot to get there. But I do think if Whiteside if Whiteside improves on last year's numbers, I think he's gonna have a really good case. I think he's yeah. gonna have a really good case. No, no he seems the more likely of the two. Deion... I think you still have enough well-established
0: guards. Like Kemba Walker hasn't been an All-Star, right? I mean, or he finally was was last year. year.
1: Yeah, right.
0: I mean, and that's like that's a guy who has the support of a strong fan base and has a you know national recognition because he played at UConn. I mean, nobody from Marshall is voting Hassan Whiteside into the All Star game. He does They don't have that kind of legion of fans. Right. You know, he didn't exactly make a strong case for himself in Sacramento and getting a cup of coffee when he was with the Memphis Grizzlies a couple of years ago. And so, although he's played very well over the last three years with Miami, I think he's still kind of building himself up there. As far as Dion is concerned, no, I, I just don't see it. Right? I mean, it's just not. Uh... It's just, it can't happen. I'd love it. I'd love for unless it to happen. He, unless yeah.
1: they play the Warriors and Deion and Waiters hits a game winner for every game before the All-Star break, I don't see it happening. I just he's his repu- He's got too much of a reputation following around the league. I think he can break out of it, but it's going to be a couple of years. And look, he's only 25. That's fine. Like If he makes you can, you his first All-Star can game can. at 27 years old, that's great. So, all right, before we go on to our last question, make sure to check out the rest of of what the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including shows for all 30 NBA teams and your favorite NFL teams, including Locked On Dolphins. If you're a Heat fan, you're probably a Dolphins fan. Uh, The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get thirty dollars off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace dot com slash boom. B O O M. Final question from B. Mizelli. Mezzel. I can't is this an I or an L? I can't even tell.
0: I think it's Mizel.
1: Mzel? Okay. B. Mizell. Yeah. Uh how is Bam and David, I'm gonna refer to you this question because you've seen Bam at a bayo up up close and in person uh, at Orlando Summer League. How is Bam Adebayo at drawing the foul? The Heat were abysmal from the stripe for most of last season. I've read a lot about Bam having a better shot than most people thought, but I haven't heard anything about his ability to draw the foul and get to the line. Is he known to be skilled in this area? Also, is he a good free throw shooter in general? What do you think? There's a, lot of, there's a lot to break down there. Obviously, as
0: to, you know, B's... Uh, you know, part of the question, clearly Miami was not a good free throw shooting team last in overall percentage to just 70.6%. Uh, they ranked fifth last as far as overall attempts per game. You know, and I'm trying to think about it when we, when I started reading this question. And it's just a lot of the guys on the team just don't draw a lot of free throws. We talked in length about Goran Dragic. If anybody's, if anybody's going to have a good opportunity to get to the line, it's Goran just because he led the league or was one of the top Guys, as far as driving to the rim, uh, and he just doesn't get the foul call. A lot. You know, obviously we've talked about that before. He just doesn't look for, you know, he doesn't look for foul trouble. He doesn't look for to get guys into foul trouble, and and you know, it kind of works against him. And he doesn't understand it. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. But as far as Bam is concerned, uh, you know, in his one year at Kentucky, not a particularly good free throw shooter, sixty five point three percent. Uh, That's on a 6.2 attempts per game when he was playing 30 minutes per game. So if you stretch those out over 40 minutes, though, uh, 8.2 free throw attempts, that's pretty good. Uh, I think uh, James Harden led the league last year. Well, he led the league in 10.9 attempts per game. So that's that's pretty significant. Um, Well, actually, that seems a little high. I can't believe that's the case. But anyway, so he that's. I mean he he had a, a quite a few free throws per game obviously and and I don't know that Bam is necessarily going to get to that point just because he's not going to get you know he's not going to play those minutes what he does have the advantage of is being able to use his length and his athleticism to kind of draw contact there he's not necessarily the most polished offensive player but what we saw in Orlando was you know he's got a good series of juke moves there he works well under the basket although we had hoped that he might show off more of that expanded range or the, the kind of expanded range that we hope he actually has in his uh, offensive toolbox, he was working much more effectively when he was back to the basket. And, uh, you know, he again, able to get guys up in the air, get them to, to make contact, and he got to the line quite a bit there. I mean, I'd expect that to be the case when he makes the transition to the league if he's getting some significant minutes. I just don't know that he's necessarily going to play enough where it makes a, a huge overall impact in the number of free throws Miami takes per game.
1: Probably not. But projecting forward, I think he's got a really good opportunity to do that. I mean, already in summer league, he's made 38 of 48 free throws. It's almost that's basically 79, 80 percent of his free throws he's been making. I mean, he is a good shooter. We've seen that at summer league. Um, granted, it's a small summer uh, a, a sample size. You don't want to overreact, but from what we understand the heat picked him at 14 because they believed he had this shooting stroke this isn't a surprise this is basically what the heat expected essentially um and as far as free throw shooting he does get to the line better than a lot of centers that we've seen uh yeah it's it's probably not gonna be it's not gonna be the strong point of his game probably like that seems more like a james harden dwayne wade you know that's what those guys tend to do guard, wing players ball handlers not not centers but that said, like you look at a guy like DeAndre Jordan who can't stay on the floor at the end of games because he can't hit free throws. Uh, Andre right. Drummond in Detroit, same thing with him. Uh, right. Whiteside it goes through bouts of just not being able to hit a free throw. Sometimes he's very good, but uh, overall his average isn't great. And sometimes he just goes through just streaks of not being able to shoot a free throw. Well, if Bam Adebayo is a consistent free throw shooter... Set at seventy, even even seventy percent, where he's shooting at an eighty percent clip through summer league, that's a that's a useful tool because that means all of a sudden he could stay on the floor at the end of the games in the last two minutes. We we expect him to be a really switchable center, right? He's he should be able. He's got quick feet. He should be able to guard uh, perimeter players as well as front court players on defense, and he should be able to play up tempo on offense. Maybe hit a few jumpers, uh, and if he could just. Those are useful things, and if you could stay on the floor by hitting those free throws so that teams don't target him for intentional fouls, he's going to be a really useful player in a league that is trending towards versatile, useful, small ball guys like him.
0: Yeah, listen, I I agree 100%. I think he is eventually going to be a useful player in that sense. I'm just, I don't want B or any of our listeners to think that he's going to go out there and all of a sudden boost Miami into the top free throw shooting team or anything like that. Like he gets to the line, he can shoot it better than a lot of centers. Um, he's not Chris steps or something along those lines. He's not, you know, he's not necessarily the fluid shooter that we might expect or hope that look Kelly on a better
1: shooter and he mm-hmm. shoots at a higher rate. So, um,
0: and he's, so, star, he's not gonna get a lot of playing time, but think, one, also, but
1: so. one player at a time. Right. So, I mean, he's not going to solve Miami's free throw shooting, but you keep adding players like Kelly Olynyk, like you mentioned, bam Adebayo. a bay at bio, uh, just you keep adding guys who can shoot free throws well and hopefully Miami will get better. And I just think just a nap. maybe last year was a little fluky. I don't think that they have a bunch of great free throw shooters on the team, but last year did seem a little fluky, right? Especially at the beginning of the year. We saw Dragic begin to pick up fouls towards the end of the season. He really learned to master that three-point and one, shooting those three-pointers and everything. Which,
0: which, although we've heard, though, that's going to be a point of emphasis, right, for the league this year. So? Hopefully he'll still have that uh, that in his arsenal there. I, you know it's hard to figure out because you figure a lot of people on the team can shoot from the perimeter well, and they just they just for some reason they cannot shoot the free throw at a high rate. That's it's, why it's I think bizarre. last year
1: was a little fluky. I think there's going to be a natural progression, and um, and then just adding a couple more guys who are who are good shooters might just help that average a little bit more. I don't think it'll be as maddening for Heat fans the the, the free throw line this year. I don't know. I'm sure probably working on his free throws, and so is Justice Twinslow. Well, we hope so. Um, yeah. Well, that's all we have for today. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, thank you for listening. You can send mailbag questions or get information about advertising on the show by sending an email to lockedonheat at gmail.com. To support the show, make sure you download every episode and follow Locked on Heat on Twitter. And if you're not subscribed already, please do so to get the podcast automatically every day then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. We've got a part two of the mailbag coming up later this week, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.